morning. It is good to be with you on a live stream once again, and as Tyler uh, mentioned earlier, uh, you know, we're working through this together as a church family. We had a meeting this morning at 9, and I was sharing with them uh, really the, the joy and the adventure that we've been on as a church the last four months from developing pre-recorded sermons and services uh, to really just trying to be creative with small groups on Zoom and even now into the live stream. And I really encourage the leadership team that uh, as believers, as followers of Jesus, and as a church family, we cannot be afraid to try new things. We cannot be so uh, perfectionist-oriented that we get stuck and we're paralyzed out of fear. We're paralyzed out of, oh, what are people going to think? Or what if it's not just right? And that's not only on the technical side of putting together a live stream, but I honestly see that sometimes in my own life and, and in trying to help others follow Jesus, that sometimes, quite honestly, the more we follow Jesus, the more scared we get. And I don't really understand uh, where that comes from. I think it's a lie from the enemy. I think uh, over time, maybe we get comfortable, and, and maybe even in church, we develop this sort of view of ourselves, and we transfer that out to how people view us, and then, and then maybe God stirs us to do something, maybe worship, right? Maybe even in church for, for quite a while, and God stirs you in the area of worship, and now suddenly you want to become more free, more expressive, and yet, the crazy thing is, even in church, you can be scared, you might be scared of what your spouse thinks about you, what your kids think about you, what so-and-so thinks about you. Like, you know, uh, what got into to Mark all of a sudden? Suddenly, Mark wants to, wants to stand, and Mark, Mark cries all the time now, and, and, and I don't understand. What got into Mark? Well, the Holy Spirit, God, and, and it's okay. So we're on this journey together. Uh, I was just sharing during the, the video break there, you know, I know there was a little bit of a glitch and we're still trying to figure that out. But that's just life. That's just life. That's just learning how to ride a bike and falling down and, and learning how to drive a car and your parent yelling at you, <laughs> you know, and, and all of that. That's just part of life. I remember um, I, I was, just got my license, I was 16 and back then, uh, when you got your license, you could just drive. You could just go pick up your friends, and you didn't have this, these periods of waiting. So my friends found out that I got my license, and one of my friends had a stick shift. And I didn't know how to drive a stick shift, but he showed up with my buddies, and they kind of kidnapped me, threw me in the car, and said, come on, I heard you got your license. So they threw me in the car, and they found an empty street, and I said, what's up? He says, you're learning how to drive stick. And they put me in the front seat, and by golly, we all left that journey with sore necks because, you know, and, and they're dying and they're laughing. And it was one of the most, you know, fun slash embarrassing moments of my life. But, but it jump-started me into learning how to drive stick, you know. And sometimes I think in our walk with Jesus, he calls us in faith and obedience to learn how to drive stick. Something you've never done before, something that's out of your comfort zone, something that you're probably going to fail several times uh, repeatedly in the beginning, and that's okay. So, so I want to invite you to, to join us with the journey uh, as we continue to do this, grow and develop uh, as a church family. Uh, last week, we looked at Psalm 13, and Mark, thank you for how you opened us with that word choice. And if you were with us last Sunday... Uh, you know that Psalm 13 is really underlying that theme is choice. Because in Psalm 13, in the first two verses, the psalmist is going through this very prolonged trial, and he asks four times, how long, how long, how long, how long, right? And, and then by the end of Psalm 13, six verses later, he's celebrating because of a choice he made. So he starts with how long, how long, how long, how long, and then by the end he chooses, and what does he choose? He chooses a change of focus. And he says at the end, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. 
My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. What has he done? He's changed his focus from his circumstance and the duration of his circumstance, and he's changed his focus upward to the goodness of God, the bounty of God, the, the love of God. And profoundly, all that is is a choice. That is a choice, and for me personally this week, uh, you know, sometimes it's, it's funny, people are like, do you, do you listen to your own messages? Do you, like, preach to yourself? And, you know, honestly, Psalm 13 was a, a theme verse for me this week, and I'm driving around, and, and then every time I had a how-long moment with a different area in my life, right, you know, the shingles, the, the how-long moment, and how long is it going to flare up, and how long, I, I was reminded of my own message, and turned the how-long into how-blessed. Literally, at that moment, when I started to go down into the rabbit hole of how long, I would choose to say one or two or three things about that I was thankful for, blessed by, and it changed everything that quickly. And now, I've sort of uh, developed this personal habit. If I go down the how long, there's an answer to how blessed. Okay, it's okay to ask the how long, but you just don't live there. You just don't camp there. And you answer the how long with how blessed. And it's just a choice. It's, it's really focus. And this morning, I want to continue this theme of where's your focus, where's our focus as a church, as we continue to uh, navigate, uh, you know, it's the end of July. It's July 26th, 2020. And we got five months left of this calendar year. And, you know, as they say, who'd have thunk that 2020 was going to be like this, Right? February, everything was swimming, and we were just chugging along, and come as March, and who'd have thought? And as we close out July, I was like, Father, we really have no idea what the next five months are going to be like. I mean, uh, the global condition, uh, the upheaval in our nation right now on many levels, uh, and we haven't even really, you know, the election's, what, 100 days away, and who knows where we're going to be politically, economically, socially. Uh, you know, we have really, really got to drive some stakes in the ground as believers and as a church to really gird up for the end of summer and into the fall. Because it is going to be very easy, very easy to get distracted and to turn into how long and to you said, he said, you know, all this kind of stuff, and just lose our focus. And this morning, I want to, to give us some, a, pers- a perspective that we'll take forward, and maybe we'll help you in, if you're dealing with something uh, this morning, uh, other than the pandemic. Um, and it's really a perspective that, that takes us back in church history. Okay, so you're going to need your Bibles, like Bill said, um, one of the technical aspects we're hoping to correct by next Sunday is being able to get the verses up for you. Uh, But we're going to start in John 7, verse 33 to 36. Jesus is talking uh, to some religious leaders, and uh, he has this conversation, and I'll just read it to you. John 7, verse 33 to 36, it says this. Jesus then said, I will be with you a little longer, and then I am going to him who sent me. You will seek me, and you will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, Where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What does he mean by saying, You will seek me, and you will not find me, and where I am, you cannot come? So Jesus says, Hey, I'm going away. They misinterpret what he's saying, and and they ask, does he intend to go to the dispersion? The dispersion. And that's kind of the perspective. I want to take us back into church history a little bit, the history of the Jews, to kind of give us some perspective on uh, what God was doing back then and to even give us some encouragement for what God's doing today. Okay? So the dispersion, or or another word is uh, diaspora, Okay, diaspora, and that means to scatter abroad. It's a dispersion. The word picture is scattering seed. Okay, that's dispersion. In the simplest meaning, it refers to Jews who were living outside of Israel, having been dispersed or scattered abroad for a variety of reasons. Uh, in, in real kind of contemporary history, think of 1948, when the nation of Israel 
right, was officially brought into existence by the United Nations, the Jews returned. Many of the Jews from around the world returned to Israel after being what? Dispersed, scattered abroad. In the Old Testament, the Jews were conquered and dispersed by being exiled. And for example, 2 Kings 17.6, the Jews are conquered by the king of Assyria, and many of them are carried away back to Assyria. 2 Kings 25 uh, we see that Jerusalem is conquered by King Nebuchadnezzar. And what happens to the Jews? Many of them are carried away to Babylon. Okay, they're dispersed by the diaspora. Okay, so, so in the history of the Jews, they were carried away uh, via military conquest and being forcibly exiled. But a lot of Jews also scattered around the Roman Empire just for business purposes, trade purposes, and, and personal reasons. Okay? It's interesting that this had gone on for such a long period of time that the, the historian Josephus said this. He said, There is no city, no tribe, whether Greek or barbarian, in which Jewish law and Jewish customs have not taken root. Okay, so in the course of Jewish history, they've spread out through the Roman Empire, and now they're, they're just everywhere. They're just everywhere, okay? And you see this in the New Testament. James 1.1 says, you don't have to turn there for these. James 1.1 says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. Okay, so who is he referring to? He's referring to Jewish Christians. If you didn't know, and, and many of you may not know, the early church was primarily 100% made up of who? Jews. I mean, that's, a, that's a kind of an interesting for us, especially in the United States. You go, well, wait a sec. The early church was made up mostly, yeah, the Gentiles, the gospel came to them later, right? So James is talking to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. So in that book, he's referring primarily to Jewish Christians who have been dispersed. And then it's interesting in 1 Peter 1.1, it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, uh, Bithynia, uh, in the context, if you know First Peter, he's speaking to Jews and Gentiles. So this, this word, this concept of the dispersion is now expanded to include believers, all believers, Jewish and Gentile believers who have been dispersed, okay? And this is fascinating, okay? This is, this is really important that we, we need to know church history. Uh, and, I, and I love this quote. It says, clearly, by the time of Christ's coming, Jews were scattered throughout the Roman Empire. So at the time Jesus began his earthly ministry, there were likely more Jews living outside of Israel than in it. This is important to realize because it helps us to understand just how perfect the time of Jesus' coming was. With Greek being widely spoken throughout the Roman Empire and Jews having been scattered or dispersed among the nations, the time was right for Jesus to come and the gospel to spread throughout the Roman Empire. As Galatians 4, 4 and 5 says, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. So it's amazing, right? You take this perspective, you look back on the timeline of what's happening globally in that, or regionally in that area over many, many, many years, and suddenly you're like, wait a sec, God is so cool. God was setting this up. Now, to the Jews who were conquered and forcibly exiled and all of that, it probably didn't seem like a, <laughs> you know, a very pleasant thing to be happening. But you see, you pan out and you're like, wait a sec. When the fullness of time had come, God was behind the scenes doing what he needed to do for his purpose and plan for his church and for the gospel and ultimately for the salvation of the world, right? So if you look at, um, if you want to open your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts. We're going we're gonna to look at several verses there and we'll kind of uh, uh, be an opportunity for you to follow along. Acts 1.8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I'll read that again. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So if you saw this word picture, right? So there's Jerusalem. He's talking about the city. And then it just starts these ever-expanding circles, right? 
Judea, Samaria, end of the earth. He's saying, you're going to be my witnesses empowered by the Holy Spirit. The question is, well, what's the catalyst for that to happen? What what would be the catalyst? He says a really great statement. Hey, you're going to be my witnesses in ever-expanding circles and ultimately to the end of the earth, uh, but what's going to get people out there? What's going to be the motive? Are we just going to, you know, uh, Mark, elder of missions, is it going to be like we're going to have a missionary campaign and we're going to say, okay, we need the, the missionary to Judea team and we need the Samaria team and we need the uttermost parts of the earth team, right? What was the catalyst to get the gospel out there in the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, what's interesting, the catalyst, Acts seven fifty four to 60, you want to know what the, one of the catalysts was? The death and stoning of Stephen. It was persecution. It was Stephen preaching the gospel and having these huge rocks. I mean, uh, I don't know if you understand what stoning was back then, but it wasn't like little pebbles being thrown. These were like stones. And they're like, and Stephen, you know, is martyred for his faith. Acts 7, verse 54 to 60. And then in Acts 8, 1, you can turn there. Look what happens. It says, and Saul approved of his execution. Speaking of Stephen's execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. So what is the catalyst for the gospel to go forth outside of Jerusalem? The execution of Stephen. The martyrdom of Stephen launches this great persecution of the church. Look at Acts 8.3. But Saul was ravaging the church, and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women, committed them to prison. I read read this, and I'm, I'm humbled because... What the early church here was going through was more than just not being able to be here at 1290 grand. It was more than just not wearing masks and having the social distance. It says Saul was ravaging the church, knocking on, going to people's homes, dragging them off. For what? Following Jesus, the way as it was called back then, right? The church is being ravaged. And as a result of this ravaging, people are like, we got to go. It is so brutal. It is so intense that the early church, right, it says here, uh, back in, it says, they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. This wasn't just like how long until we can meet again. This is like, we got to get out of here. It was so intense and so severe that people were packing up and leaving. Imagine the persecution for what, you know, hypothetically happens in Ojai, it's so bad that you decide, honey, we have to go. It's that bad. You know, so in that moment, you're like, wow. You know, and I'm sure people had the how long moment, and they're like, what's going on, right? And then the question is, well, what did they do as they went? What did they do? So they picked up, and many of them, it says all of them, except the apostles. Oh, we don't know how many, but they went out, they scattered. What did they do? Look at, let's go to Acts 8, 4 through 8. Now those who were scattered went about what? Preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. What did they do when they left? They preached the word. They preached the word, right? I love this quote. It says, God had allowed, even orchestrated, the spreading of millions of Jews throughout the Roman Empire to serve as a key part in the rapid spread of the gospel. As Jewish Christians were forced to flee Jerusalem due to persecution, they were able to travel to almost any part of the world and find a Jewish population and a Jewish synagogue from which to share the gospel of Christ. 
Because the Jews already knew the Old Testament, the background was set and the timing was perfect for the gospel to spread throughout the nations. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? I mean, from this horrific execution and the church being ravaged, they go out and their focus isn't on poor me, poor me. It's on preaching the gospel, and God had already set it up. There's Jewish synagogues, there are people, they, they, you know, they're already connected, and they're open already to receiving the gospel from their brothers from Jerusalem. I love that. It was, the, the pump was primed, right? Look at Acts 11, 19 to 21. Now, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. Okay, so initially, the Jewish Christians go out, and the first verses there tell us that the, the gospel is pretty much, they're just speaking to their own, they're speaking to other Jews. But then it expands, we keep reading. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, or the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. Antioch was the third largest city in the Roman Empire at that time. 500,000 people. A lot of people describe it kind of as the New York City. You want to understand what Antioch was like. New York City, commercial hub, melting pot, you know, a place of a bunch of pagan worship, a lot of immorality, corruption. Right? And into Antioch come people out of a persecution, and the gospel in Antioch goes to the Gentiles. And in fact, if you know, that's where in Antioch was the first time they used the word what? Christian. In Antioch. Now, back then it was a derogatory term, right? It meant to be an insult, uh, but you know, over time it changed. But think about this again. Out of an execution, out of a martyrdom, out of the church being ravaged, people are scattered, which at the human level is very painful, sorrowful. How long? Why did this happen? You know, I wish we didn't have to leave our home. Where are we going to live? How are we going to make it? And in the big picture, we pan back, and the Bible says there are bunches of people getting saved, and they're bringing joy. <laughs> they're bringing joy. And I sit back and I think about that in terms of our present circumstance. Because I thought, you know, we're not all here. Usually, I think uh, towards the end of last year and at the beginning of this year, there's probably, what, 130, 140 average. So there's 10 here today. So there's like 100 of th 130 of you scattered. <laughs> You're dispersed. Uh, in Ojai, uh, uh, Goleta, San Diego. What's up, San Diego, if you're watching, right? Way up north to Reading. Where's your friend? Uh, Linda in Wairika. Wairika, right? Uh, we're dispersed. There's a scattering under some trials, right? We can't meet. And, and for me, profoundly, the question for me and for us who are dispersed right now, what does God want to use you for? Well, who have you been around in the last four months? Even because of the context of the, of the stay-at-home orders and, and everything that's going on, uh, who have you been around more? Who are you interacting with more? Uh, because even on a Sunday, you're not here. What are you doing on Sundays, maybe? Right? And... It's, it's really interesting because I, I, I was really challenged. And, and, and I love in Acts 11 where it says, uh, but there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, uh, who went to Antioch. There were some of them. They don't even give them names because they weren't the big shots. They weren't the big shots. Just some believers. <laughs> there were some of them who went to New York City and preached the gospel. To the, to the Gentiles. They were some of them. You know what I love? You're a some of them. If you're a believer, you're just a some of them. And I believe God wants and, and, and can use the scattering and the dispersion because some of you, some of us, are now probably in contact with neighbors and coworkers. You, what do we have in common with, with uh, people in our community? Wearing masks, 
not liking wearing masks. The inconvenience of this whole situation has opened doors of conversation, has opened doors of commonality at the human level as we all work through this. And my point is, we can be intentional in this dispersion, in this scattering. We can be intentional about building relationships with people. And, and I'm not talking getting in someone's face necessarily and giving them the four spiritual laws. I'm just saying, hi, <laughs> how are you, neighbor that I've lived next to for 20 years and never said hi to, <laughs> but now we're both home more, so hi, right? Uh, in our neighborhood, uh, my wife and I uh, take walks pretty regularly, and you know, you're running across the same people now who are taking walks more regularly. I don't know what it's like, but, but there's opportunity just for casual conversation, just for mingling, right, with, with people in your community, in your neighborhood that in other circumstances, honestly, we're pretty locked in with our routine, right? Pretty locked into our routines, and because of the nature of this, we're, we're forced to be creative. Hey, you want to go for a walk? You know, there's, there's a couple that uh, uh, walk regularly in our neighborhood, and, and just in the last couple of weeks, I've happened to be out in front of my house, and we say hello, and you know, I learned now that they walk twice a day, so sometimes I catch them on round two, or round two, or round one, or round two in the afternoon or the morning. It's just conversation, right? Uh, doorbell ring uh, last week, and you know, I look out there, and I don't really recognize a person. Open the door, and it's our neighbor who lives over there, just giving us a bag of peaches. I guess they had extra peaches. So they just offered us peaches. I'm like, cool, thanks. We love peaches. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. There has been a scattering. There has been a dispersion, right? Would we all love to be here? Yes. Lord willing, one day. But I got to believe, just like the early church, there's a reason why you're scattered to where you are. And just maybe we just need to open our eyes and say, man, okay. Okay, right? There's that phrase, it was at B, at triple C, bloom where you're planted. Well, you know, we'll just change that. Bloom where you're scattered. <laughs> where you've been scattered and just kind of pop your head up today and say, Lord, okay, I'm here. This is it. This is it. I'm not going to dwell on how long or I can't wait to get back. I'm just going to live right here in the moment and in the present tense. Lord, is there a neighbor I can say hi to? Is there, you know? Maybe we have extra peaches we want to bring someone. I don't know, right? So there's an element of outreach that we can do. Now, many of you listening, I'm going to encourage you, you know more than enough to share the gospel if the opportunity arises, okay? Yeah, but those of you who may not remember 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Okay, if you want to know what are the essential, what is the core of the gospel, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. You know that. You know it. You have a testimony of how you came to the Lord. In this time of dispersion and scattering, be ready to share it. Just be ready to share it in a very natural, loving way. Not, you don't have to get weird. You don't have to talk like a preacher. <laughs> you don't have to be confrontational. If you're in a dialogue with someone and they're, they're, you, you, you maybe are discerning, they need some hope, they need some encouragement, maybe they ask you, how are you dealing with this? How, what's been going on? How do, you, how do you navigate this? You know, there's your door. Look for opportunities as the early church did. To speak truth, your testimony, the gospel, the gospel. I mean, think about it. Wouldn't it be awesome? I got, I got it, and this lights my fire as a pastor. Wouldn't it be awesome if the first Sunday that we regather, but it's we plus so many that we don't have enough seats because you were out there sharing the gospel, people were getting saved, people were intrigued by your testimony enough to want to come to church that the first time we regather, we don't have enough seats in here because you, in the dispersion, were bringing joy in the gospel. I would love that. 
I would just be like, yay, meet so-and-so. They're my neighbors, and they want to come to church, and here's my coworker. We just struck up a conversation in four weeks and talked about the maths. Next thing I knew, they were interested in church, and the first day, and some of you are going to bring, like, two cars with you on the first day back because you built relationships with people in the commonality of trying to do life in a pandemic, and now they're intrigued. Now they're drawn to Jesus because you're fruit of the Spirit. And now, that, okay, I'll come to church with you. I would love to have us have not enough seats on the first day back because you're bringing people that you loved during this time. That would be phenomenal. That would be phenomenal, right? So it's by your words, uh, but I love 1 Peter 2, 11 to 12. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage, against, which wage war against your soul. In verse 12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give, give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I love that. So the gospel, we can share it if God opens a door to actually have a discussion about the essential truths of our faith. But those other two verses, it's just live your life. Just bear the fruit of the Spirit. People are watching. People are listening. Right? People, again, think about this. Because of this pandemic and all the guidelines and the major inconvenience and everything going on, God has brought a lot of commonality to where you can have a normal conversation with someone just in the doing of life and build some bridges Right? I, I love this because, you know, uh, when things are good, sometimes as believers and as a church, we get this us versus them mentality. And, and we're, we're so afraid of being impacted or polluted that we almost have come across like this. Right? And this whole thing has just kind of blown that out. And now we're all just trying to make it. And we share some economic struggles. We share some health struggles. We, you know, this is a great time to just be human and to share your life with others and to really share how Jesus helps you, how you're walking with Jesus through this. Because again, there are a lot of people out there who are discouraged, um, depressed, angry, frustrated, you know, and they just need hope. They really just need some hope, okay? Uh, so there's the outreach component in this dispersion. And then I want to encourage you, uh, church family, there's what we call in-reach, which is where we, uh, as we say around here, doing life together and together doing life, where we one another, one another, right? And, and we call that in-reach. And I, I just want to um, affirm you guys, the, the church family, uh, you know that the elders... We meet uh, Wednesdays, and we've been meeting weekly, really, since this whole thing started. And uh, this past Wednesday, as we were meeting, we had a chance to really celebrate how you are loving one another. And I got to tell you, we, we are so blessed to hear uh, the praise reports of what you are doing in the one anothering. Uh, you're writing notes, sending cards, you're praying for each other, uh, you're gathering safely, appropriately in your homes. Yeah, I know last Sunday there was a watch party, and if you guys are doing your watch party this Sunday, hello. Uh, so blessed by you guys doing that. Um, you're meeting practical and material needs from brothers and sisters in Christ. You're sending texts and emails. You're getting together for coffee and lunch. Man, I got to tell you, uh, when, I, when this list is, oh, yeah, and so-and-so is doing this, and so-and-so, and I heard this, and I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm honestly, I'm just floored because the church is being the church and one anothering one another. And I, I got to tell you, uh, uh, I affirm you, I, I, keep it up, please. Uh, you are blessing many. And the testimony of what you're doing is going out. Even, it even reached us, Okay. So keep doing that. Uh, and, and, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm so encouraged, and we're so encouraged by those in the last four months who have stepped way out of your comfort zone 
and have grown. Uh, Randy <laughs> has shared uh, the Tuesday nighters of your Tuesday night. Welcome. I know many of you, it's the first time in your life you've ever had a webcam. And it's the first time in your life you had to get a computer and figure out how to zoom in. And, and it's been tough. I know sometimes it didn't work, and, you know, how do you get this to work? And, you know, you tried your hardest, and it was frustrating, and, and by golly, you stuck with it. You stuck with it. So kudos to you, uh, Tuesday Nighters. I know uh, Randy regularly shares what God is doing in the Tuesday Night group, how you're sharing lives, uh, and what a blessing. What a blessing. I think about the men's groups. You know, we have 18, 18 20 guys on uh, two nights a week. And again, it's the first time I've ever uh, led a Zoom group and, you know, and all the technology, you know, and I was awkward and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And and it was awkward for me. But all these weeks later, uh, men that have have stuck with it and, and got over the technological discomfort, now we're just sharing lives. Now we're just sharing lives, and, and men, a couple guys in my group, they zoom in uh, from their cars, right? They zoom in from their cars, and, and we even have one brother, James, and James, I don't know if you watch this, James zooms in from Russia. It's 6 a.m. in Russia when he zooms in, and it's awesome. The guys have gotten to know James, and I'm just reminded that the body itself needs ministry and encouragement and helps, you know, Randy, great help with, with, you know, getting people set up on technology and, you know, uh, hang in there. Just want to encourage you, church family, hang in there. Um, we grow, again, sometimes God calls us to grow when we get out of our comfort zone and, and you know, we might just have to ask for help. We might just have to ask for help and, and that's Okay. Because again, in the big picture of the whole pandemic, the last four months, a lot of people are asking for help. And somehow it became more okay. Because there's this, well, we've never done this before, and it's new to everyone, so everyone, I don't know if it's more comfortable or we're giving each other more grace, it just seems a little easier to ask for help. We'll keep asking for help. And church, let's just keep being the church. Okay, so I want to encourage that next week we are actually going to move back to Ephesians 4, uh, because in this ministering to one another, right, Ephesians 4, 7 to 8 says this, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. We're going to see in the next few weeks, Ephesians 4, 7 through, I believe it's 16, we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. Okay, And it's going to be really important because 1 Peter 4.10 in the New Living Translation says this, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So here's the thing. We're going to see if you're a believer, right? So if you're at home and you're sitting next to a believer, say, okay, he's talking to you, right? If you're a believer... The Bible says you have been given a spiritual gift, and you are responsible to use it for the good of the church, even though we can't gather here. And you're going to see a lot of times people think, oh, I have a spiritual gift. That means um, donuts, right? I'm I'm going to help set up and break down. Mm, Not really. The spiritual gifts aren't limited to us having to gather here for you to serve, okay? We're going to see... Again, what is it? We're going we're gonna to spend time on it because here's the most important thing when it comes to this. You have to understand as a believer, you have been given a spiritual gift and God wants you to use it. And this verse where it says, but grace was given to each one of us, he's given you a spiritual gift and then he's given you the grace to use it. That's how the church comes to life. Now, when we don't understand that we've all been given a spiritual gift, then this clergy-lady split comes in. And now I'm the hired gun, and the elders and the pastors, the, you know, the ones that really know and are really gifted, you guys are supposed to do all that, and all we do is show up and take notes and listen. And it's clergy and laity, and that's not. The, the Bible says we're all priests. It's the priesthood of believers. And so we're going to spend time, and, and I hope you're encouraged, because you may be sitting home like, okay, I get it. We've been, we're dispersed, we're scattered, God wants to use me right here, 
And you're like, what do I do? Well, you could do some very tangible things, love people, but you might have a spiritual gift that you never really sought the Lord and, and that maybe we can help you discover it, develop it. Maybe God wants you to, to use and develop your spiritual gift during this time for the good of the church. That's what we get excited about. Equipping the saints for the work of ministry. We get excited when you get uh, excited for your gift and your talents and you want to use them. Oh my gosh, we get so excited around here. So we're going to be spending time with that, all right? As we close, as we prepare for communion, I want to share these verses because, again, it's a choice of perspective. It's a choice of perspective. We saw in the, in the diaspora, right, there was this execution. There was this intense ravaging of the church. God had set it all up previously. The Jewish Christians go out, and the gospel is spread throughout the world. Okay, four months ago, things shut down. Maybe God had things set up. Maybe God knew that there were going to be people in this pandemic that you were now going to be around more. Maybe God set some things up so that when we're dispersed, it's because the gospel can go forth and you can be used of God to save souls. You, one of the greatest joys is to lead someone to the Lord. That's your privilege, wherever you are in your neighborhood. Right? Maybe just start praying for your street. Maybe just start there. Just pray for your neighborhood. Go on a walk, a prayer walk, and just pray for your friend and, and, and be friendly. See if God suddenly starts bringing the same people around you on a walk. Maybe one time at the fifth time you pass them, you stop and you introduce yourself. And, and who knows what God does with that, that relationship, that friendship. Okay? So, Romans 8, 35, 39 says this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. In these circumstances, please, please, please remember, we are more than conquerors. We win. I know it says we are more than conquerors. It's present tense, continuous. You know what it means, too? It's a lopsided victory. It's a complete rout. <laughs> and we're on the winning side. We are on the winning side. And I'll close with this quote, and then we'll pray. It's by Pastor Ray Stedman. He says this. If we barely manage to win our way to heaven by the skin of our teeth, we could be said to be a conqueror. But more than a conqueror is someone who takes the worst that life can throw at him and uses that to become victorious. More than conqueror is one who, by the grace and the gift of God and in the strength of God within him, within him actually takes the very things that are designed to destroy him and they become stepping stones instead of stumbling blocks. That is being more than conquerors. So maybe you've looked at, at your present circumstance and there's stumbling blocks, and this morning you're like, no, wait, they're just stepping stones. The dispersion wasn't a stumbling block. People thought, oh, there goes the church. It's persecuted. Ha <laughs> ha, we got there. We ravaged them. They're gone. Years later, like, oops. The persecution was actually the stepping stone. Posh to the world. And so maybe we change our perspective this morning. We've been maybe heavy with, gosh, these are just stumbling blocks. I just feel weighted. No, maybe it's a stepping stone. Maybe the dispersion that we're all facing is just a stepping stone for you to be free and join your faith and just literally be you in Christ. Just be you in Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for reminding us that even through the dispersion of the early church, you had a plan. You had it all set up. And through the execution of Stephen and the ravaging of the church by Saul 
And people were forced to leave Jerusalem. They picked up and they literally left their homes and, and, and were trying to figure out where they were going to live. Through all of that, the gospel went forth. Your church went out of persecution and began preaching the gospel. And people responded throughout the Roman Empire. Even in Antioch, the Gentiles came to know Jesus. And Antioch became a base of, of, of work for your church. So, Father, this morning, we are reminded again, we're not here at 1290 Grand. We are dispersed. We are scattered throughout Ojai and our, this state, this country, wherever we're listening. And yet you want us to bloom where you have placed us. We know the gospel. We have a testimony of what you've done in our life. We can love one another in very practical ways. And then as we prepare for communion, we're reminded that nothing can separate us from your love. We are more than conquerors through Christ. We're reminded that Jesus rose from the dead. So in this time of worship and in this time of communion, we remember you, Jesus. We remember your crucifixion, your death, and your resurrection. We celebrate that nothing will ever separate us from your love. We are more than conquerors in Christ. So, Father, we give you this time of worship, this time of communion, as we celebrate Jesus.
Once again, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I, I hope you were really moved, really impacted by this message today, this opportunity to really take these circumstances that the entire world is in and to make it personal, to say that this is an opportunity for you and for me to make a difference, to see this not as a negative thing, but as an opportunity, a positive thing, that the Lord has provided an opportunity for you and I to make a difference in the lives around us. So that is such an encouraging message, and I hope you will really just walk in that this week. Um, as we do every week, we really want to pray for you. If there is anything that we can pray for you about or with you, please contact us. There's so many ways by phone, by email, at the church or any of the elders. Just please reach out to us if there's anything that we can do to uh, just pray with you and to minister into your life. Um, I wish I could invite you into the commons, but there's nothing in there. Um, someday soon, we'll be back to cheese and donuts and getting to fellowship with one another, but that's in the Lord's hands and in his timing. But I want to just leave you with this um, short passage that the Lord gave me this morning that just really uh, layers over everything that Richie taught today. This is at the end of, uh, or in the middle of Ephesians 4. The Lord says to you and I that we can speak the truth in love and that by doing so, you and I are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. We can grow in this time into Christ. It is from him that the whole body, that's us, that's you, that's me, being joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that builds itself up in love. So again, just this opportunity to love one another, to love your neighbors, to take the truth of Jesus, to take the gospel and spread it as the Lord provides you opportunity. What a wonderful thing to be focusing on this week. So again, thank you for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next week and have a wonderful week. God bless.